everyone. Welcome back to Millennial Mental Health. I'm Stephanie Contra-O'Hara, licensed professional counselor, and today we're going to talk a little bit about panic attacks in this mini-series on anxiety. I'm really excited about this mini-series. I feel like anxiety is one of those things that everyone experiences. Um, You know, there's like everyday anxieties like we talked about in the last podcast, but there's more clinically diagnosable um, types of anxiety in which people need treatment for and can't just be fixed by reading a a self-help book. Okay, so I'm going to start just diving right in. Broadly speaking, panic attacks are intense periods of fear that suddenly fill your entire body. Um, Adrenaline pumps through your bloodstream, stress races through the body, uh, through different neurochemicals that are released, the fight or flight response, putting people into this time in which their amygdala and their brain is hijacked. The amygdala is the part of the brain that's in the very back near the brainstem, um, and it holds the chemicals that trigger the fight, flight, or freeze response. If you've ever had a panic attack, you can recognize it through your personal symptoms. However, for those that are unfamiliar with panic attacks, here are the types of symptoms that someone can experience. This list isn't completely comprehensive, but I figured it would be good to introduce the idea to people who aren't as familiar. So you can experience shortness of breath, feelings of loss of control or safety, chest pains, heat flashes, maybe your vision flashes, goes in and out, uh, nausea, dizziness, your heart rate tends to increase, sweating, you could feel as though you're choking or things are closing in on you, chills or heat sensations, derealization or unreality feelings. Um, So kind of like you're floating above yourself or things don't feel real to you. And feelings of loss of control, fears of dying or going crazy. If you feel more than one of these symptoms, it would be helpful to definitely use some coping skills and maybe reach out to uh, someone that's safe or a provider. So panic attacks can also be caused by a variety of stressors, which can make them feel unexpected. Um, However, some of them can be expected, and we're going to go over both of those. However, it's important to note that I think the statistic is 80% of panic attacks are caused by the fear of having a panic attack. You might start having symptoms that feel like a panic attack and that will elevate the likelihood in which you'll have a full-blown panic attack. So that's fairly common amongst people who have experienced panic attacks prior, which can cause like a succession of them. Um, Okay, so some of the stressors can be biological, such as having chronic low blood sugar, um, inner ear disturbances, something called Wilson's disease. If you have a medical condition such as these, panic attacks can be much more common, and it can be helpful to remain aware of the possibilities of having panic attacks due to these health concerns. Other stressors can be more socially focused, such as public speaking, the loss of a loved one, um, stress about money, 
or being confronted with a phobia um, such as claustrophobia. It is even possible to have a panic attack while you sleep and often are due to waking up after an intense nightmare. How you think and feel about panic attacks can impact how frequently you experience them. For example, if someone with a history of panic attacks dreads them, this can increase the frequency of their panic attacks, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is why healthy coping mechanisms are essential, because the less you fear panic attacks, the healthier you can be and feel altogether. So some basic coping skills. Remember that panic attacks will pass. Panic attacks tend to reach their highest intensity within the first 10 minutes of the onset. After that, symptoms will begin to subside. So remember, this won't last forever and you'll be okay and you can recover. Take deep breaths. Trying to breathe slowly and deeply, concentrating on your breath. Be Breathe deeply from the abdomen, filling the lungs slowly and steadily while counting to four. After your lungs are full, hold your breath for four seconds, then exhale your breath for another four seconds and repeat this method. I'm sure if people have seen this on TV, you know, someone starts hyperventilating or getting really um, overwhelmed. People tend to hand them like a brown paper bag to focus their breathing. You don't necessarily need a brown paper bag. You can just breathe slowly and deeply on your own to re-regulate your breath. Sometimes smelling something pleasant or familiar can also help relax your body, uh, especially if you have a positive association with a smell. Um, I personally love the smell of like chocolate chip cookies. So sometimes imagining that I'm smelling chocolate chip cookies can be helpful. Or if you have um, a scented candle, lavender is known to be specifically engaging the senses of relaxation. And many studies have proven that lavender can help relieve anxiety. So perhaps having lavender scented lotion or essential oils near you, if you have a tendency to have a lot of anxiety, um, can be helpful. Finding a peaceful spot. So sitting somewhere quiet and relaxing that can help you focus more on breathing and other coping strategies. For me, I really enjoy sitting outside when I'm feeling anxious, it really helps me be mindful of how I feel physically. I can feel the air or the sun on my skin. I can usually smell different smells, more so than just sitting inside of a, a room that doesn't really have a lot of scent or sensations that you can experience or you, things maybe that you've looked at over and over again. You know, outside can have trees and birds and other things to focus on. Um, so sometimes putting yourself in a peaceful spot can really help re-regulate your nervous system. Focusing on an object that reduces your stimuli. So concentrating on something a little bit more benign, maybe like focusing on the color of your couch or focusing on a bracelet that you have on your wrist. Something that is not moving and can be pleasant and and help you maybe describe it in a more mindful way. Like, oh, the couch is blue. The cushions are soft. Um, there's a, a pillow there that has a pattern on it. And trying to name those things to reel yourself back in um, to the present moment. 
Um, there's also the five, four, three, two, one method. And I've kind of alluded to some of these skills in the past two suggestions. However, the five, four, three, two, one method takes a little bit more specific approach. So it suggests that you look at five different objects and think about each of them for a short period of time. Listen to four distinct different sounds and think about where they've come from and what sets them apart. Touch three different objects, consider their texture, temperature, what their uses are. Identify two different smells, maybe coffee, soap, laundry detergent, and name one thing you can taste. Notice whatever you can taste in your mouth, or maybe try to have something that's enjoyable like coffee or um, some water or a hard candy. Another thing that can be helpful is to repeat a mantra. Um, as you focus on gently repeating a mantra, you can physically respond uh, maybe more slowly, allowing you to regulate your breathing and relax your muscles. I came across a quote from Gandhi when I was in grad school, um, be the change that you want to see in the world. And that has been my mantra really since then. And even when I'm feeling like lost or hopeless or discouraged, just saying that quote really like brings me back to a time where I felt empowered and hopefully will help me feel empowered and strong again. So I enjoy saying that specific um, quote or, or mantra. It can be other things, though, that are more appealing to you. Um, so just find something um, that fits where you're at and try to use that. Um, maybe doing some light movement, whether that's walking or stretching. Moving around releases hormones called endorphins that can relax your body and improve your mood. Taking up regular exercise can overall reduce anxiety over time, which may lead to reduction and or severity of panic attacks. I found that daily movement, whether it's 10, 15 minutes of yoga or a you know, four mile run or cycling on a, a stationary bike. Those things really help me personally, like keep in mind both my mental and my physical health. And I think have overall helped me reduce my anxiety um, over time. Also muscle relaxation techniques can be really helpful. Practicing these techniques can help limit any attacks, whether it's anxiety or a panic attack. This is because if the mind senses that the body is relaxing, other symptoms such as rapid breathing will also relax. Um, so in yoga, and I know we had a someone on earlier, Amber Viles, talking about yoga, but there's different stretches that can engage the parasympathetic nervous system, and those are spinal twists. So you could be sitting in your chair and just turning to look behind you is considered a spinal twist, and that can help engage the parasympathetic nervous system and hopefully really relax you. You can do the same thing while lying down. You know, you're on your back, you have your hips kind of pointed in one direction, and maybe you're turning your head to look in the other. That creates another type of spinal twist that hopefully will increase relaxation in your body through utilizing your parasympathetic nervous system. Another thing that you can do is picture a place that helps you feel safe and calm, um, whether that's a 
somewhere where you're barefoot on the beach, or maybe you're sitting on a soft rug in your room, Um, anything that can help really ground you to the place and noticing what you can sense or feel in that place will help physically stimulate um, a sense of relaxation in your body if you really focus on visualizing yourself in that space. Also, some really common things is if you have a tendency to have a lot of panic attacks and they're fairly consistent, talking to a physician about medication can be helpful. And sometimes you won't be able to regulate your panic attacks without prescribed medications because your your brain is so fired and wired up um, that some of these coping skills won't even be accessible to you. So if prescribed medication is what you feel like you need, definitely talk to your physician. And tell someone that you're experiencing panic attacks. Um, If you keep it a secret, then it's difficult for you to really get resources and the help that you need. So if you can have assistance during a panic attack, um, talk with people that you trust and see if some of them can be supportive and help you minimize the disruption in your life that panic attacks can cause. It's also good to know that things like caffeine um, can increase the likelihood of panic attacks. So if you decrease your caffeine intake, that could possibly be of use to you. And just knowing your triggers, learning to manage and avoid your triggers, you may be able to reduce the frequency and intensity of your panic attacks. So I just wanted to wrap up today's episode by really just kind of talking about a personal story. Um, I personally have experienced panic attacks and a lot of anxiety throughout my life, um, which is kind of one of the reasons why I chose this as the first mini series is I feel like it's very valuable for people to know that they're experiencing anxiety um, and how to help them deal with it. For a long time, I just thought that I was like broken or something was like wrong with me that was like unfixable. But when I learned, oh, this is like anxiety and there's things that I can do to try to manage it, suddenly my life felt a lot more manageable. Okay, so the story is when I was in college, I experienced panic attacks specifically around like exams or times that I had to do presentations in class. And I really had a strong desire to be successful and score well on on tests and on assignments. If anyone knows Enneagrams, I'm a three. So performing is super important to me um, and achievements. And so when I wasn't able or didn't feel like I was able to perform to my best ability, that created a lot of anxiety. And I often went into this flight sort of mentality. Like I just wanted to run away, wanted to avoid. It was like really difficult for me to want to like face myself and face these situations head on because I felt like it was impacting like my self-worth and impacting the way that I felt about myself. And I really lost sight of like who I was during this time. And it really just worsened my panic attacks. However, I began to see a therapist during this time, which really helped me figure out like, oh, this is anxiety. These are panic attacks. Um, I actually did some therapy involving biofeedback, um, DBT, did a lot of different things. So if you're experiencing anxiety that feels unmanageable to you, 
definitely try some of these coping skills, but if there, you need more help, like talking to a therapist, obviously is what I would recommend, especially as a therapist, but I hope that more and more people feel more comfortable reaching out for help if they feel like something in their life feels unmanageable and is decreasing their sense of self-esteem and their self-worth. And know that panic attacks are relatively normal. Like a, a large subset of the population who experience mental health issues also have panic attacks. Um, so there is help out there and you're worth the help and the resources that it takes to manage these issues that you might face or a loved one might face. Um, so I encourage everyone to get help when they need it, of course. Well, I just wanted to wrap up today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a few more episodes in this mini series, and then we're going to take a hiatus and finish up season one of Millennial Mental Health. But I hope that you all tune in next time to find out more about anxiety and different types of ways to manage it and different ways that people experience it. All right. Take care.